This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Shalom and welcome to Practical Spirituality here in Asia Torah. We're looking at the Temple Mount. Today we're discussing a little part about Adam and Eve, and that's uh, and it also brings up a lot of the, the male-female relationship stuff, and that's uh, Adam listening to Eve when she said to eat from the fruit. Because obviously God said it's forbidden. Eve says eat, and he eats. What's up with that? Why do you listen to her? Like, is a man supposed to listen to his wife? Now, we see the punishments say clearly not. First of all, we all know not because, well, we don't necessarily know not. We know not. We know not if it's God versus your wife. God versus your wife, you definitely listen to God. And we learn he listened to his wife. And, and you know, all hell broke loose after that. So, so it's clearly not the right thing to do to listen to his wife there. But we also know from the punishment and the punishment was that she will, he will rule over her. Behuim shalbach, and he will rule over her. Now, those are the words. Behu, and he, meaning him, the husband, yimshal will rule Moshel, and that's pretty hardcore rules, rulership. Bach over you, he's going to rule over you. Now, showing you that you were ruling over him. You ruled over him. And he, what, what do you see on there? It's okay. Um, the Adam's first wife. <laughs> oh. Is that another? Mm, yeah. Anyway, anyway, and we also know, speaking of Adam's first wife, was, was a woman named Lil. And Lil tried to dominate Adam. And Adam threw her off, literally. And, um, and oh. wouldn't, literally, and wouldn't let her dominate him. And Kabbalistically, I mean, this is going to sound a little weird, but she, ever since then, feeds off of the seed of men, ever since then. And so the next time any man feels like he wants to be involved in any letting of seed, if we will say it as clean as possible, you should know that perhaps Lil is hungry, and, <laughs> and she's a demon. And ultimately, the, the, you know, you heard of people who drive called the speed demon? She sees the seed demon. And could be really Lil's behind all this. So, so that's, that's pretty freaky to think about. Because you're thinking, oh, you're following your own ideas, but really maybe Lil's giving you these ideas. Anyway, her name's Lil. Just that just ended, just yeah. Just a question. Is that also the female Yitzhahara? Is that like tied into... Um, not necessarily, no, no, no. This is, is its own. Is she the one originally broken off from Adam? Mm-hmm. No. Mm-hmm. So it was. So then we're this is Lil. She was someone else. So weren't all the other... Creatures. Yeah. Let's let's go back to Adam listening to his wife. So we see that Adam's not. So here, Adam's in his second female challenge. He had his first female challenge from Lil. He passes. He has a second female challenge from from Chava, from Eve, and he fails. And he eats from the fruit. Now, it, it was a really bad move. It wasn't the right thing to do. Ever since then, men have meaninglessness. Now, meaninglessness is a, a, the scourge of man. You know, we've discussed this before. Women are born with the ability to create, but they also have a huge instinct to support and to protect. Men, on the other hand, don't have that as strong. We have, we have a desire a bit to conquer, but it scares us. And... 
we are, we always have meaninglessness kind of hanging around us. Because what is this, what is your bag of bones for exactly? It's hard to know. Now you would say, maybe you'd like to say like the woman, it's to make a family and all that stuff. Except most men would sooner die than sit at home with their family. You know, they, they want to get out there and they want to make that mark. Because men, are, men have this conquering ability and that's what brings men the most meaning is that they actually made a difference with their bag of bones with their lives they made it they make a difference so adam is now listening to eve which is a lack of leadership here it's just a lack of leadership because the conqueror is the leader naturally and she is she is meant to be his wife and he's the her, he's his king, he's the king and she's his queen but he's the king and here he let her be the king and that's where meaningless is going to come from so what's adam's curse adam's curse is you got to go make money you're going to have to go make money see you could have just hung out in the garden and just eaten the fruit right off the trees but I'm going to turn the world into, you know, thistles and thorns. And thorns and thistles, it says. And, and you're going to have to go cut out all the thorns and thistles. And then you're going to have to break out the hard ground. And you're going to have to plant the seeds. And you're going to have to work. And you're going to have meaning out of that. That's going to be meaningful to man. Is that he can go work. And he can break up the soil. And he can plant those seeds. And he can water them. And he can make the stuff grow. And he can come home to his wife who says, Wow, look at what you brought home. And then she's suddenly attracted to him because he's clearly a person of leadership that he was able to have the fortitude to leave the house and go bring back the, the bagels. And he comes back with the bagels and she's now respecting him. And once a woman respects him, what does she also have? Attraction. Attraction and res respect always precedes attraction. A woman doesn't respect her man, she's not going to be very attractive to him. So now she's got the respect, which is what her curse was, to be respecting him. And now she has her attraction to him. And he has meaning in life, all based on eating this fruit. Now, was it right to eat the fruit? No, it was a mistake. But what it did do is it set up thousands of years of roles to play. Think about it. That's the roles. Like, you're either going to play those roles and life goes well, or you're going to not play those roles and your wife's going to trade you in when you're about 45. Because that's what they do these days. Women are trading in their husbands. Their little crybaby, tutu, little girl husbands. Girly man husbands. And so, you know, and they're, they're getting like traded in. You know, all the time. And, because um, she, because, whatever, I'm not going to go there right now. So, Anyway, but that's why he listened. He shouldn't have listened, but it did set up history. And, and we have to learn into the curses that they got to understand our roles and not to mess with that. You don't want to mess around with that. So all these millennial feminists, I'm talking about the men right now, meaning the victims of the feminists, but all the millennial feminists are, are in major role reversal danger. Role reversal danger, nobody wants that. That's, that's super dangerous. And, uh, and again, it, it crash and burns, usually, eventually. It's cute while you're in your 20s. Girls like the power. Boys want to be, these days, boys just want to be little boys. And she should hold him while he cries. And, and then, uh, but eventually she becomes a woman in her late 30s, smelling, smelling for a man. And there's none to be seen. None, none, no man to be found, except for maybe some other man 
who is like, and they'll, they'll always go for some like cheese ball car mechanic or some, you know, like he's just like a total man, you know, it's grease all over him. And, and like here she had her, you know, her nice executive husband and now she's just, she just wants, you know, a beach boy, you know, big muscles and, you know, tough guy. So anyway, um, but there is an interesting line in it, and that is that that the Adam and Chava, when you look at the actual story, both Adam and Eve have a very interesting answer to God when he says, what happened? You know, God just said, what happened? You know, of course, they didn't take responsibility. So um, anyway, so she eats from the fruit, that he eats from the fruit. Um, and... Uh, so, so what happened was, um, the man said, the woman whom you gave to me, to be with me, she gave me of the tree and I ate, which is like, yeah, like, and it's not just that she did it, it's your fault too. Like that woman you gave me, this is your fault, God, like you gave me this lady and I let her influence me and. Okay, but it's a total role reversal problem. But here's the interesting word. The word says, Vo'ochel. It's the wrong word. It's supposed to say, Vahalti. Vahalti. The woman you gave, um, she, she gave me of the tree, and I ate. It's past tense. Vahalti. How do you say, and I ate? Vahalti. I ate. No, it doesn't say that. It says, Vo'ochel. You know what Vo'ochel means? I will eat. And you put me back in that situation, I'll eat it again. Pretty crazy thing to say. And then God said to the woman, what is this that you have done? The woman said, the serpent deceived me, and I ate. And when you look at the word there, it says, and I will eat again. You know, give me the chance again, I'm eating. So that makes like, what? No, you ever heard that? You ever notice that? No one ever notices that because everyone's reading in English and the English said, and I ate. But it doesn't say that in Hebrew. In Hebrew it says, I will eat. I'm going to keep eating. I like that tree. It's a good tree. So, so, which means we've got to ask ourselves, what is the nature of this tree that they've now eaten from that, they're, that they were saying they would eat it again? What is that tree? Well, it's the tree of the knowledge of what? Good and evil. Well, what are good and evil? Well, good and evil are the ultimate paradigm, the ultimate, uh, um, uh, I don't know why this word always escapes me, not hierarchy, but uh, archetype. It's the archetype. It's the paradigm, the theme of distinctions. When they lived in the garden, there was no distinction. I mean, yeah, maybe there was this tree and that tree, but you could see Hashem's, the letters of God's name in everything you saw. It was like spirituality and materiality in the same address. Everything was, yeah, everything was one. Everything was one. So, so now that sounds awesome. I think all of us would love that, but probably only for a couple hours. But couldn't they differentiate their soul from their body in that state? In that state? Yeah, to understand They had no concept of their body. They, oh, they were only, they were, yeah, they, they didn't even know they were naked. Yeah. They had no kinds of nakedness. Right. And in fact, it says when they ate the fruit, their eyes were open. 
Which is kind of interesting. Like, did you ever picture Adam and Eve in the garden going like this? Where are you? You know, like their eyes weren't open then. Why does it say that they ate from the fruit and their eyes were open? So they the like... Consciousness switched from the soul. They don't want to be in Godland 24-7. They were in Godland 24-7, which would be amazing. I mean, that's why you're... That's why, I mean, that's why you're ultimately listening to me right now. Because you're hoping that maybe something I'll say or some other rabbi will say or... Why do you come around anyway? Is that you deep down secretly want to go to Godland. And if you can't go to it here, you at least want to align yourself to go to it later. You know, you align yourself as much as possible because how long are you going to live? Who knows? So at least I want to go to Godland after this world. So you are interested in Godland. They were in Godland and they lost interest because here's a tree that offers distinction. Remember, it's the, it's the archetype of distinctions. Good and evil. I mean, good and evil are the ultimate black and white. I mean, that is distinction. But everything's distinguished once they eat from it. All of a sudden, soul and body get distinguished. There's soul, and then there's body, and then it's like, I'm naked. You know, like, what do I do? Because now soul and body got distinguished. Everything got distinguished. What about the kids? Like, weren't they born already? I don't think so. Were they? I don't think so. They haven't even gotten through the first day. This is day six of creation. I don't think any kids were born yet. I think it was literally two hours in. They probably had to wait three hours and then they were good. Yeah, they, yeah apparently they only had to make it to Shabbos, which I don't understand enough about that. But meanwhile, they weren't so interested in Godland 24-7. Of course, they'd only been there for two hours. You'd think that'd been enough. I mean, that'd be, you know, only the beginning of enjoying it. But... Well, two hours in so that means we got to understand. So maybe I don't want to be in Godland full time, but two hours would have been fine. Three hours fine. I mean, the truth is, I wouldn't mind going there for a week or two. I don't know if I, I don't know if I want to stay there. I mean, any of you have ever been in a real Nirvana state, like a really high, high, high state? You're happy to be there. It's exciting. It's great. But there's a part of you that's like, I'll be excited. All I'm running a Hebrew seminar now. I'll be excited also to get back to like. I just like to go pick up the paper outside my house and like be normal for a couple hours too. I mean, I'd like to be in a world of choice. I'd like to be in a world of distinction as well. I, and it only it augments or excites and causes more distinction of the godly state that some people can meditate their way into or take some other mushroom or something. But the, uh, the, that godly state is only exciting in the, as much as you have a non-state like that, that, that gives its gives it meaning distinct we're in, what i'm trying to say is we like the world of distinction we don't want to live in godland and now when we die we'll be in godland but then we don't have a body so we won't have as many complaints but having a body in this kind of realm in godland is just like and the truth is if we were truly in godland in these bodies of ours we'd all die in this room you know why because we wouldn't eat and someone would be like you guys must eat and we're just like it's just so material. It's so physical. It's so gushmious. We're not eating. <laughs> they're like, you have about 10 minutes left before you die. They're like, we're already mostly dead. <laughs> and where are we going anyway when we die? <laughs> anyway, we're going to Godland. We're already in Godland. Uh, we'll take death, please. Um, death, please? So, anyway, so, so Godland... Is, is not so great. So then, but why couldn't they handle it for a couple of hours? 
And so then we got to talk about the serpent. We have to discuss the serpent because the serpent's the one who messed everything up here. The serpent's the one who got Eve to eat. So, so the serpent is, is what? What is that serpent? So the serpent is a representative of the dark side. Now, it is not the Yitzhahara. It's important to know that. The body itself was the Like the bodily desire was the Yitzhahara? Yeah, you could say their desire to listen to the serpent might have been the Yitzhahara, but the serpent itself is the dark side, and the dark side is not the Yitzhahara. The dark side was created for there to be free will, for their, to balance the system. Now, it has a messenger. The dark side has its messengers. Its messengers we could call our Yitzhahara. The Yitzhahara is a messenger from the dark side. Not that you should ever do anything the Yitzhahara says, but it does give you reward. By choosing not what the Yitzhahara says, you are now in a position to be rewarded as a result. So the, so the dark side is the... The dark side... So the, here's the serpent... Except Adam and Eve have no experience with the dark side. You need muscles for the, to deal with the Yitzhahara. But isn't but that's the snake not the Yitzhahara? It's not the Yitzhahara. They might call it it once in a while, but it's really rep- it is the dark side. The snake represents the dark side. At the end of the day, doesn't all evil stem from the same place in the darkness, which is the concealment of light? Like, isn't that all the same? And then there's just it's just the, it's the far the extremity from the light. Right. So the darkest point, which is technically the Yitzhar, we call the dark side. Right, but listen to this. The serpent, which is the dark side, is now messing with people who are in Godland. Yeah, well, there's no good and evil here. They haven't eaten from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And now here's this, like, bar, bar cat. You know, he's really like a bar cat. He's, he's upright, because we know he was cursed to go in his belly, so he must be walking. He knows how to talk, because he's talking and seducing Eve. And he likes women. So, sounds like a guy you meet in a pub to me. You know, he's ultimately a slime ball womanizer in a pub. And uh, without the pub part, so and he's approaching Eve, who, who ain't got a chance. That's why I don't I don't discuss much about free will with Adam and Eve, because really God they didn't have any differentiation. They yeah, they didn't have that distinction. Right. So yeah, God said not to do it, but what is that supposed to mean? What is not? What is yes this and not that mean? When there's no good and evil, and I have no knowledge of good and evil, and I don't understand distinctions, and here's this seemingly friendly, you know, although slightly drunk man who's, you know, very interested in you and uh, has said, eat this fruit, and you have no concept of evil. I mean, isn't this the whole problem of naive... Isn't this the whole problem of naive girls? You know, jogging by with their headphones on and no awareness whatsoever who's watching and what kind of predator could be there? And, you know, she's just jogging by in her little jogging suit in the university, and there's, you know, some, some freaky serial, you know, sexual assault guy is just watching her jog by and, and like, she's just naive. She, she doesn't understand the dark side. She's just come from some preppy high school, you know, and she's been coddled and protected from all evil and she's just totally out to lunch, this girl. So, so the, so that's kind of Eve in this situation. She doesn't know how to deal with the serpent. She doesn't have the tools for this. 
She hasn't flexed those muscles of, of Yetzer Tova and Yetzer Hara because she, she doesn't have any concept of such things, which is for hard for us to even understand, which is another reason why not to discuss Adam and Eve regarding free will because they don't really have much free will. Yeah. So didn't God set them up for failure technically, but all the factors had to exist in order for the world to spiral into where it Yeah, you can only have the world go into where it went with this with failure. They had to fail. Yeah, they, had to fail. they were born to fail. Right. And, um, but there is another question, and that is Eve. She now knows good and evil. Uh, Don't give them the fruit. So she's the only one truly busted in the situation. Not for having eaten, but for having fed him. So, like, God really nails her on this. Really nails her on this. And because she now knows the difference good and evil, and she's choosing evil, and she's going to influence her husband, which is like, women who are built to protect, does not, she does not protect him. She trashes him, which is really pretty freaky that Eve goes to trash the guy. And and it is interesting that her her one of her curses was birth pangs. Was that she was going to have she can only bear children in pain, which is just kind of an interesting penalty for that. Because because she she was she was she knew what evil was. She's going to now do evil. She, that's her first move. Like, here's good and evil. I'll go for evil and feed my husband this fruit. Because now I know the difference in good and evil. So I'm, I'm just going to do evil. Now, that kind of person, a person who just does evil, is not the kind of person who has children. You know, like, most serial killers are not like fathers of five. You know? <laughs> Oh, yeah, once women are, like, with just the fact that they give birth and the whole birth experience and that they're the one who gives birth, men doesn't give birth, she gives birth. And now she's going to protect what she went through. And she went through hell for this. And that's going to build in a certain level of, like, well, I don't want to have gone through hell for nothing, so I'm going to protect this thing. So women are born protectors. They're built to protect. They're going to protect their pregnancy. They're going to protect their bellies. They're going to... um, and then they're going to protect the baby. And we're, we're human beings are, are, I think, of the, the longest species that needs its caretakers of any other species. I think we're longest by, like, years. <laughs> Meaning, you know, we really need a few years of parents before we're going to be on our own. Whereas horses, you know, they're born, and then, like, a couple minutes later, they're kind of up. You know, they get up on their feet, and then they're just running around. You know, we're not like that. We need her protecting us during those times. And so... So the woman who did not protect her husband and willfully did that, meaning she blew it big time. So one of her jobs will be pain, pain it in birth. She's going to go through hell through that process and then be the protector of the baby she went through hell for. So, and not to mention she's going to have to risk her life whenever she has a child. So that's one of the reasons we say, for we thank God for not having made us a woman because... Uh, there's nothing in your anatomy, gentlemen, that's, that's life-threatening. You understand? Whereas a woman's born with her... If she uses her anatomy as it was built to be used, 
she's going to be having to risk her life and maybe multiple times. And, and the chance of, of dying in childbirth historically was, was very high. In certain times, extremely high, and most times high. And, uh, and only in recent history, it's gotten much lower, but you still hear cases where a woman dies in childbirth, God forbid. And, um, and, so, and so we thank God. I mean, there's various reasons why it says that, why we thank God for not having made us a woman, but that's one of the biggies. Is we don't have anything built in that's life-threatening, whereas women have a built-in life-threatening uh, thing. Um, by the way, just on that subject, is their life-threatening, that life-threatening aspect of childbirth is, um, is I'm sorry, not just the, the childbirth and the caretaking, all that caretaking is, is also hinting at the role, the role they're playing in the marriage. Whereas the husband's out, you know, work in the field, and she's in the house protecting the, the, the flock. And, and that's the way it's built to be. That's the way history is supposed to be. Um, but what, because of birth control and the... Um, and you know everything that happened in the 60s sexual revolution all that women's liberation feminism and all that. so the uh, the women had their first chance to play this card this in the poker game of, of uh, you know playing the man card like women never were able to play the man card just because their very anatomy created a situation where where they will be uh, they will be automatically in charge of protection, protecting the flock. And the and so with the modern modernity, suddenly there was an option of of playing the man card. And uh, and so they've been playing that man card and it's obviously anytime you're gonna go against the nature of creation, you're gonna you're gonna pay that. We're all gonna pay for that. And the society will pay for that in a big way. And, uh, and that, just on a Jewish sense, because we've talked a lot about the Parsha, but we haven't talked much about Judaism, is, is that Judaism, meaning living traditional Jewish values and living in a family where the woman is the protector of the flock and the man is going out to, to bring home the bagels, is uh, it's a bit of an island in a stormy sea, meaning all the, the price that everyone's paying for this generation of millennials, you know, the post-feminist world we live in, the, um, these, the price they're paying, we're not paying. We're, we're just not paying that price. I mean, you may be wearing tight pants and booties and purple socks. Like, you may be paying a bit, but you, if you're in this class and you're in Jerusalem, you're in a yeshiva, like, you do have a chance to jump out of that hell and go to heaven, meaning you. You have a chance to, to get out of there and attach yourselves to a world. You understand, Peter? There's like a serious opportunity here to like get out of there and attach yourself to, you know, a full Torah community value system. What happens Them? You reach your hand out. You know, anyone's ra- and you know, and uh, what do you do when you're living in the forest? When when trains were moving to Auschwitz. And you can hear the tracks. You can hear the trains going by. And you're in the forest, part of the park. You're a partisan. 
So you're hiding in the forest. And what do you do? So I know what I would do. I would spend some of the hours of the day on the forest near the tracks. So that if I could see someone pull, putting their hand out, I would pull them out of the train. Like if I could just, you know, if I see the train stopped for a reason or another, or find a place where it stops normally, like it normally stops there for 10 minutes. So I would do my best to pull people out. But I would not go stand in front of the train and get killed, you know? So, so I'm not going to be part of their society and get killed or have my kids get nailed by that. On the other hand, I'm not going to... Um, I, on the other hand, I am going to pull anyone out. I will pull them from the train when the train stops. And so that's... I mean, what am I doing with you right now if not pulling you out? You're clearly reaching out your hand. And we're clearly giving you time and resources. So, But you won't see anyone in this building who's giving you time and resources. You're not going to see them, you know... To this evening doing anything but going home to their observant community and bouncing their kids on their knees telling probably next to no stories of what they heard and spoke about while talking to kids in the lobby um, you understand they're, they're going back to back to pr the protection of a generation that's like a unique it's a unique time capsule of sanity you know? and the only sad part is Peter that if you lit if you if you, or Natanel, or, or Mayor, she's already bought into this whole thing, but if you, the, you, the only sad part about all this is if you do feel like you're winning the lottery and want to join the last sane, you know, traditional value place, as a Jew at least, I mean, I'm sure you can, I'm sure there's some Mormon cult somewhere in Utah where you can like, you know, just show up and live the rest of your life there with like five wives. And um, with funky hairdos. So I'm sure that's available. But I'm just saying, if you want to honor your, that the fact that you're from our tradition, you're from the prophetic tribes. So if you're from the prophecy tribes, the only hard part about that, the bad news is good luck integrating into, this, into that world. Because this world's not known for its integration itself. It doesn't integrate well. And... Uh, and you integrating into there is also questionable. And you're almost like an imposter by nature. And um, the, the very observant Torah world. And, the, um, and lastly, is, um, is it's, it's kind of a progress, progression resistant, progress resistant. It's progress resistant. not into progress they're into holding on to things and whereas to you three guys there's no conflict between Torah mitzvahs and connection to God and progress they can all be together that's fine but you're talking about joining a society that's that's uh, that is phobic of any progress whatsoever whatsoever I mean I'm like <laughs> I'm, I'm like, I, you know, I have a business, so I'm working my business, and, you know, I'm dealing with clients, and I, and I just handle, I just processed like 10 clients in 10 minutes using WhatsApp, 
And then here comes a guy. Here comes a guy with like the face and the hat and everything. And, and he's just like the other clients. It's his turn. So now I'm with him. A half hour later, we're still together. And I'm like, like I just processed 10 people in 10 minutes. And this guy's a half hour of work. That dude, because he doesn't have WhatsApp. And, and therefore, we're going to be doing everything, I guess, on paper. And, you know, and by the time we got some paper and we got the pen and then we, I started writing out stuff that I wrote 10 years ago, you know, that's just, what process? whatever it is, I mean, it doesn't matter. But the point is, is that it's really not in in progress. It believes even that technology is, is a conflict with, with things. Not like, not like the the Amish who like won't use cars. They'll use cars, but Although there's really there's one really OCD guy who lives in America who whose child got engaged to someone who lives in the country, and no one knows this. I know it, but uh, he walked. He walked. Not no. He's OCD. It was more because of the OCD aspect, but he just doesn't get in cars. And <laughs> no one knows. It. The only one who knows it is his wife and children, and they were sworn to secrecy. Yeah. What? He walked. It was winter. It took him, uh, I don't know, I mean, the drive itself into the country is an hour and a half at 70 miles per hour. I'm not mentioning this name, so no one's indicated here, but, but the, um, Anyway, how long would it take to walk an hour and a half drive at 70 miles per hour? <laughs> <laughs> it would take at least seven hours. At least. I think they said it took ten. Something like that. You had to walk back. Anyway. Um, yeah, so... Anyway, but, that, but how do you integrate? So then you might say, well, maybe I should do something a little more modern orthodox. But what do you want to be half? You want to be half part of, part of a world that's like, you know, like literally crashing and burning. Like, oh, I just want a little of that for my children. We'll take a little crash and burn, please. Let's go for some crash and burn. You know what I mean? So that's what I'm saying. It's like this is none of this is good news. You know, you don't have any. You don't have much uh, like. What are you supposed to do here? You got a place where you almost can't integrate, but you could. You'll do your best. And uh, this is why I like being Hasidic, because Hasidic is like, I mean, there's only a few groups that Bali Chuva should be part of anyway, and, and and I did not choose one of them. Um, I'm part of like this like Hasidic sect in Meisharim, you know, like, I don't know, I must have bumped my head that day and like went temporarily insane. But, but you always have Chabad, but you do have these big communities called Chabad and Bresa, which, you know, they have their own issues. But at least they're, they're integration friendly for people who are coming from afar. You know, they at least are integration friendly. That's good. Um, oh, by the way, there are little microgroups. Like, you know, I keep talking about my Kabbalist, who I go to on Thursday nights. He's, um, he's, his group is, is Balichua. All the people around them are about you, and there's only about a dozen of them. And so there are microgroups where you don't have to be a Chabad, and you don't have to be a Breslover. You actually can be a normal Hasidic man, part of a microgroup. 
and that's that's pretty cool. I mean, so I wouldn't, I wouldn't just, like that's join the microgroups. Yeah, microgroups no are generally microgroups are generally led by uh, pretty um, eccentric, extreme people like you and you. I don't know Peter well enough, but probably like you too. So, you know, it's just not, it's not a popular choice. It's a choice for people who like are kind of live on the edge types. Because the, because the, the Rebbe's themselves are very on the edge people. You know, like extreme meditators, like. Well, that's where I am. That's right. Oh, my family's part of the sect, but I have a, I have a one teacher for now 24 years. Where that's my teacher, you know, all these years, and my the Carlina Rebbe knows that, right. you know, he's very happy. He's he's expressed to me several times. He's like, Yom Tov, you're just too complicated for me. <laughs> Your questions go to him, and so I don't ask him anything. He told me straight out, like, stop asking me questions. Like, like I get my, I get the community raised in Meisharim. Like, I, I do not get you, and he's. But I've always been guided. I just randomly asked him things once in a while because he was there and like we just finished davening and we're, we're, you know, having a little schnapps together or something. And I'll ask him a question and he's just like, don't ask me. Okay, so um, anyway, so we, we handled quite a bit of this, this discussion. And, um, and just to tell you one more thing about, because we didn't really nail the, and I will eat, if you gave me another chance, I'd do it again. So why did they say that? And and the answer for why the answer for why they said that. What did it say in there? Well, I don't know what it says, but I figure it's because you know, we will also Okay. Well, we spoke a bit about it in that we don't really like Godland so much, so like. We like that kind of level of free will. We like, we want to live in a world of distinction. Yeah. Uh huh. That's nice too. I've never heard that said, but that's pretty powerful. Is that? Is that? Not only did we eat it, but we're going to be eating this stuff forever, like till the end, till we get to either six thousand years or yeah. the third temple. You know, that's we will be eating from the fruit of distinctions. Um, but there, there's another answer, which is a clear answer, and that's uh, and I think we could have derived it earlier. Is just that um, is it that now there's a chance for reward, meaning now there's a chance for life to have true me- choice to have meaning. Choice has much more meaning when there's two choices. <laughs> when there's no choices, you know, like it's like kibbutzniks. You know, there, there's just not a lot of choice there. You know, that's what you do. You work, you pick potatoes, and then you go to the dining hall for breakfast. And then you go back and you pick potatoes. And, and it's like, for some people, you know, that's perfect. But for other people, it's just like, I need more choices in my life. You know, Russians, and you imagine going to the market and it's like sugar, oil, bread, eggs. You know, okay, eggs, there's always, it's just going to be eggs, but... Um, you know, milk. It just says milk on it. Yeah, I mean, would you like that? You like to go to market like that? I mean, it's just not. It's just weird, you know. It's just kind of weird. So, so nobody wants that. 
and we want choice and we want to we want to um, take that risk into the chaos of a choice that we don't know what's going to happen and either fail miserably or or succeed beautifully and and we, we want that world for ourselves that's just what we want and so 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 zil that's it man we're, we're, we ate we're gonna eat yeah, because that's something. Now, by the way, if they had done some other sin that was like some heinous sin, I doubt they were going to say, we're going to do it again. I think it was very specifically like, we want choice. We want to live in a world of free will. We want all the parameters of what could be done right and what could be done wrong. And we want the reward that comes from doing right. And we want to feel the feeling of being in that position of choosing. So I don't think other sins, you know, it's not, it's not like you could do something really stupid and God's like, what the hell did you do? And you're like, not only I do it, I'm going to do it again. You know, like no one's going to talk that way to God. But with the tree of light, sorry, the tree of uh, knowledge of good and evil, that's like, yeah, we ate and we're going to eat again. And we want to sense our autonomy, We want, which we didn't mention, but we want to sense autonomy in our lives. And part of autonomy is your ability to choose. I mean, isn't that autonomy? If someone's telling you what to do, do you have autonomy? No. But if someone says, listen, I'm telling you what's good for you, and I'm also showing you what's not good for you, well, then they're giving you the autonomy to make that choice. Yeah, ma'am. And, um, okay, I'll just go back to, to the question before. This will be the last one, because I, I gotta run. Okay. Um, just to understand the last part, why did Eve make that final decision? Why did Eve make that final decision? Yeah, to, 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 to give it the fruit to Adam. What was the... Why did she do it? Yeah, why did she do it? Mm. <laughs> you know, I'll come sit with you guys for a second. So, I, I actually, I have to speak louder now, but... I actually have no idea. <laughs> I have no idea why she did it. Yeah. But there's only two people around now. Okay, there's a, well, three. There's a snake. There's, um, no, there's only really two people around. And, and you're, you're now in the mud, and now someone else is not. So misery loves company. That's the famous line. And it could be that's what pushed her. Because because they're now, you know, it's just it's just bringing taking someone down, you know. Like if someone's in a situation, it's I mean maybe it was the first jealousy, right? Like she, here he is fly, flying around in Godland. Right. She's no longer in that realm, you know, and she's now dealing with all the feelings that came with it, which was heavy duty feelings. So, but she's also yeah, she's alone now. She's alone. And what's interesting about that, which is kind of interesting about women, is is that you'll see when you're married, you'll have like stuff you gotta do, but you gotta do it. And your job is to go out and do stuff. Like that's what you're here for. You gotta go do stuff and then bring home the bagels, right? She doesn't care. <laughs> she doesn't care. I mean, she's in moods sometimes. We're like, I don't care. Just come home. You know, and you're like, that's nice. Except there's a room full of men in Chile, in China right now, all sitting around a table, 
waiting for me to call right now and let them know what's going to be going on for the next half a year. And they all flew in for this meeting. And, and I'm either showing up on a video screen and letting them know that for the meeting they all flew into, or I'll be coming home. You know, and she's like, come home. So there is a point of, uh, there is a point, in, I guess in a woman that's just like, come down from there, come down from there. This is very healthy for us in one way, because it's, it's humbling. You know, come down from your, come down Mr. CEO, or come down Mr. Charismatic Rabbi, you know, like, why don't you spend Shabbos at home without all your students for guests, you know, like, why don't you sit with the family, you know, Mr. Rockstar Rabbi, you know, so there's, there's a part of our wives that, that just don't, they just don't buy, they don't buy into it, they don't buy our, our thing. So here he is, like, floating in outer space. She's totally been dropped down to... But she could still see him, because he's in both. I got you. Yeah, and she's just like, just come down. Come down to me. Don't know. But I don't know the answer. So that would also seem that Godland is right here. Godland? Yeah, Godland's right here. It's just in a different... I don't know what I just did. <laughs> <laughs> um, Godland is... Is Godland right here? Godland's not right here, but... No, uh, but like, it's not right here, but our job using... Our job as spiritual beings is to... Is to approach a balance between body and soul mm-hmm. that's like really on that... You know, you're just... And you can sense it right now if you just kind of breathe for a second... Like you sense you got a body for sure, yeah. but there's a you sensing it, which is clearly not physical. Right. And you want to be right in the balance of those. You want to stay right in the pocket of the of balance and body and soul balance. Mm-hmm. That's that's the goal. And to go totally out is possible. You know, I have various portals, uh, there's various doorways out. But but um, I think the balance is is the key. Can you venture out every once in a while? Of course, you can. But I'm saying, is, is according to Judaism, we're allowed to? Venture out? Yeah, for sure. A lot of Kabbalists venture out. Okay, everybody. Shalom. It was a pleasure as usual. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.